This is the second of the Learning Hook podcast. The uh, subject we're going to talk about today is VR. And joining me today, we have Damala Scales Gosh, our learning designer, one of our learning designers. We have Brendan Carter, founder and creative director of the Learning Hook. Hello. And Hi. And myself, again, back for more, Justin Cruikshank, our <laughs> design and production manager. So this, uh, this all kicked off, I guess, with that session you guys went to the other day. Mm. Damala, do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not even sure how I came on to this, but um, there was a session uh, being run at Academy XI, that's out down in Melbourne, um, and it was on. It was called immersive storytelling, and I really mm. picked up my ears because I'm, I'm really interested in storytelling, and it's particularly about storytelling in VR, which I think is really a really interesting topic, in t- especially in terms of applying to learning design and learning solutions. Um, yeah, so I kind of mm. put the word out and a few of us went down. There was a few from um, Third Place Australia and Brendan and I went down. And um, So the talk was, um, there was a panel of um, three, three or four speakers or one host um, and they've all been doing a lot of really interesting mm. and innovative work in VR or mixed reality. I guess that find of this one, immersive storytelling, just went, I guess, had a lot of ticks for us from a, a topical point of view Absolutely. In, in e-learning. Yeah, so um, yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to find out about what people are doing in terms of VR and storytelling. Yeah, so, and the result of that, as I usually like to do, <laughs> take lots of notes, and I do like to go away and sort of make a bit of a summary or a you know, key mm. takeaway sketch note, if mm. I can, if I've got time. So yeah, I've done great. that, and um, that's going to be available on our blog, mm. so have a look at that. Um, that kind of goes through four sort of main topic areas that or themes that came out from the session and a bunch of quotes um, from each of the session speakers or panelists. Yeah. I think if we if we view this um, podcast on YouTube too, so this is me putting a bit of um, a job on this, we should actually display uh, your sketch note tomorrow. Oh, because like, we're going to, I guess now we thought this part of this um, podcast is we'll talk about you know, this sketch note that really captures the heart of the, the main themes that we saw at that session mm. and probably our takeaways and then see where that leads, particularly how all of these sort of main areas link back to our thinking around e-learning and, and also what we're doing ourselves in VR mm. within e-learning. Absolutely. Um, so, um, yeah, so I guess if you're looking at this on YouTube, our YouTube channel um, for the Learning Hook, then you could, uh, you should hopefully right now be looking at Immersive Storytelling Sketch Note um, version 1. Um, so did you want to maybe go through some of the areas on like those main themes that we saw there, Damala? Sure. So the session started with um, the question of how is immersive storytelling different, I guess different from um, 2D film. Mm. And so the three, these, these were basically three answers more or less. I, I don't know if I've captured them exactly precisely as they were articulated, but mm. um, Joel was talking a lot about the sense of space and architecture. Um, Joel's done a lot of work in looking at um, haunted houses and ghost trains mm. and the history of popular entertainment um, and seeing them as, as the way we understand immersive experiences. So he was really yeah interested in that sense of space and architecture and how you can work within that, which I think we all... Any of us who have experienced VR so far probably understand very well. Dirk pointed out that it must start with the narrative or the story, as as mm. anyone who's been in, in a story-based industry that you know the story is everything. Without mm. the story, 
nothing else, no matter how flashy or great or the production values are fantastic, it's not going to cut it. And then Ahmed pointed out that, you know, we'd be, we can experiment with, experiment with the sense of person. Who am I in this story? Yeah, from the storytelling point of view too, I know through our own research and um, we, we've, we've felt, and, and so much of this is subjective because mm. it's such a new technology, but I know we've felt when we've been looking at storytelling, particularly thinking about it as a, a, an emotion, you know, emotive sort of engine, you know, or an empathy engine, I, sh- I should say. You know, so when we're looking, this is a power of VR that it can be it really create empathy, and you walk in someone else's shoes, mm. literally, mm. Um, and and that. So I guess it's so. How do you exploit that? I one of the takeaways in the story, I guess, immersive storytelling for me is I thought, well, because it's such an amazing experience in VR when you do when you are first person view, why wouldn't we be capitalising on that most of the time? Mm. It actually feels quite strange for me personally, in VR when you're a fly on the wall, mm. when it's the omnipresent sort of view. Mm. Um, I agree. Yeah, and yeah. you're just sort of overviewing things like you would in a normal film. It mm. doesn't seem to work in the in the storytelling. Mm. Anyway, it was interesting to hear from these experts that are working in quite diverse areas at the, mm. the panel there, um, that they, yeah, they seem to hone in on taking advantage of that, yeah. the power of first person probably, in probably, VR. Probably mm. worth pointing out too, there's going to be some of our listeners who have probably never put on a headset. Mm. Uh, mm. might be really curious about what this immersion actually means. Mm. Um, first of all, if you, haven't, if you haven't had a chance to try this, just do it. it, it it's quite an eye-opening experience. Mm. Um, and what, for me, I remember my first experience was it was that sense of immersion, that sense of actually being there, being mm. somewhere else, and, that, and the potential that that unleashes for the way that we tell stories visually and for all the other devices we can use in storytelling as well. Um, but if you, maybe the best way to explain it. So for someone who hasn't played with VR yet, uh, I like to tell the story of one of my first times looking at it. And it was just a still photo I was looking at. It was as if I was standing on top of a mountain. Yeah. A beautiful view. I could turn around and see this incredible vista. And I, I told someone in the room that I was, I was standing on top of a mountain at the edge of a cliff. <laughs> they, they gave me a nudge. I know where it's going. <laughs> they, they gave me a nudge and my automatic reaction was to steady myself as if, my, mm. in my mind, I had to be careful because I was potentially going to fall off a cliff. And mm. to me, that's, that's the power of, of the immersion. And that's why I think it's, it's going to be so important is how we consider what that immersion means is because the, the mind can be tricked, right? Mm. Like you really can't fool the mind into believing you're somewhere else mm. or and maybe even being something else. Anyway, that was mm. my experience. And, and if, that, if that gives you a bit of motivation to go and check it out, please do because it is a powerful experience. I think, yeah, that's a, it's a really good point, uh, JC, I think, for the um, it just people's experience. They, yeah, you, you've got to be able to, I guess, imagine it. I'd encourage everybody to do it too. I remember we, um, when we first got a headset in our work office, I was, I was keen as mustard when I read about the Samsung Gear headset coming out. So, you know, I probably had it on back order. And I was down there within the first week picking it up at um, the Samsung store in Melbourne. But uh, getting that back to the office and plugging in, just it blew my mind. Um, it was the the lawnmower man experience that I saw sort of you know 15 years ago um, it wasn't a great film in itself <laughs> um, but there's a lot of hype about VR back then and, and and it has been actually around for quite a long time for people working mm. in the trade what I found so amazing is that I, I was putting in you know my phone that's yeah. um, just my daily my daily phone it was a Samsung um, S6 I think and uh, I put it in a headset and it did take me to another world and the actual user experience more so for me was the amazing bit that I thought the quality of this now is at a tipping point 
I've mm. bought what was a $150 headset. I've plugged in a phone that I already own. You know, I'm downloading, rampantly downloading apps from uh, Oculus Rift Store um, just to experience lots of, you know, I guess different elements of VR and um, they're all really good. And I guess from a commercial point of view, it's at a tipping point. Mm. Anyone can buy one of these headsets. What was, what was the first thing you saw in VR? Um, it would have been the menu. Like seriously, yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah. and and as a menu, you know, then that's almost then feeling a bit like Minority Report. It's yeah. not mixed reality, and and seeing if you haven't seen mixed reality, that's another technology really worth checking out. Mixed reality being, um, or augmented reality, uh, whatever you want to call it. I think Microsoft are running with mixed reality more so. Okay. They fundamentally mean the same thing, and that's where we bring in virtual elements into our real environment. So. That's less disorientating, right? Yeah, sure. you, you've seen that too. Yeah. yeah. What about yeah. yours, Tamara? I think it was the Van Gogh painting. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was quite amazing. That was so. For anyone who is who hasn't seen this, which probably most of you, it's like a demo, and the environment that you're placed into is in the style of Van Gogh painting. Mm. Is that mm. the yeah. way to describe yeah. it? Yeah. And I forget how now, but you can't, you're able to actually move through the space mm. by using... You look in a direction and you just touch the side of the yeah. headset and you just start moving forward and down. So it gives you a sense of control mm. within that environment. I mean, since then, we've found... Uh, look, there's lots of games and things where you can really move within an environment. Um, but that Van Gogh painting is absolutely gorgeous. It's, uh, it's mm. a really surreal example. But, you know, they, these, I guess just sharing a few demos like this, they're, they're definitely apps you should download if you, if you are exploring um, VR for mm. the first time. But they're, they're quite diverse experiences. The, the 360 photos... Um, you know, the surrealist sort of stuff in there is amazing. And then the Van Gogh painting. Um, and even just the Samsung demo is awesome. That takes you to Africa. It takes you on a starship. It, you know, it uh, takes you to, you know, within huts um, all over the world. So it's quite interesting. There's a consistent thread through mm. all of our first experiences and the things we remember is that we're all talking about the space. Mm. And, and I think that's... I think that's what people are really going to see when they get into VR is, is, that, is how important the sense of space and architecture is mm. uh, and, and, and what, what can be done with it. A couple of things you guys were just mentioning there <clears throat> made me think of another point that came up which was about really supporting the viewers before and after a VR experience, um, particularly depending on the nature of the, of the material. So that, and, and when you say that, Damal, like what's an example? So I think um, an example was one that Dirk mentioned that, um, well, it was prompted by a, a story that he told about listening to a piece about eating disorders and how it had quite an emotional impact on him. He was actually surprised. I shouldn't say what, listening to a piece, watching, experiencing a piece. Um, that kind of prompted some discussion about, and also Ahmed had talked about how VR you know, is very much an empathy driver, but we also have to just be careful about mm. what kind of experiences we drop people into, um, what kind of emotions might come up. Mm. And so we need to sort of ensure that we're kind of really supporting them pre and post and even during you know, during the experience as well. So that may be thinking about the whole VR experiences, not just the times they've got the headset on, but also what happens mm. before they put the headset on or what kind of um, user guidance, which, which we can talk to as well. Because mm. of the most recent project we've, we've worked on that we provide to them during mm. the experience. So how are we guiding them through the experience or do we guide them through the experience? And then particularly if it's a very emotive stuff or something that might be upsetting or mm. um, triggering, um, how do we support viewers <clears throat> post the experience as well? Do they need to debrief? 
do they mm. need to have forum with, to discuss or do, do they just need a nice comfy chair to sit in and a cup of tea? <laughs> um, so yeah, I just thought that was really interesting to think of it as a whole experience, not just this, the time you spend in the VR. Well, we can also mm. support people during the VR mm. experience by maybe suggesting to people who are in the room with them not to give them a push if they tell them <laughs> that they're standing on top of a mountain because they might freak out and have a heart attack, right? Because <laughs> lucky I, I didn't, I guess. This is, it's yeah. such, it, and I think, you know, look, the topic that we went to see this talk on is what we know, we already kind of knew that's the power, what we think yeah. anyway is the power of VR is its ability to be so immersive. So different, I think different to mixed reality and augment, you know, augmented reality is that VR places you in a completely created world. And so you've got, and those, what you're talking about then, Damala, there's, there's just so much to that for me, you know, when I think about it, because I, I guess something I took away from listening to a panel of experts and, you know, in some ways we're becoming experts because we're working in this industry too and, and writing scripts. And, and in saying that, how can you be an expert so quickly is that none of us are. That mm. yeah. everyone, the panel of experts all talk about their personal experiences, just like we've been doing, mm. and that everything's so subjective, mm. and that and that's then so important. Is and why is it so subjective? Because we're all someone's created this virtual reality reality, but the person experiencing that's bringing their whole their whole worldview in there, right? Yeah. So if it's a spatial thing, some people feel. Like they're going to fall off the mountain, JC, and others don't. Um, and then, and then some people, and then if it's an emotional experience, some people are hugely impacted because of their, you know, emotional connection or, you know, emotive elements within the scene or the or the view or the space. So it's yeah. I, anyway, there's just so much to it. I reckon um, the simple thing from all of that would be particularly for e-learning and what we do is to really set context unless there's a really strong reason not to giving somebody a warning mm. that potentially so let's say we're going to use vr as an empathy engine for a mental health piece mm. let's give somebody a really amazing experience and a, a, a you know an altering a life altering experience they'll remember of what it might be like to be living with a, a very serious mental health condition before we start we need to put up a warning mm. and or a brief maybe it's a brief outside of vr before you put the headset on mm. where you get the note saying this is actually could impact you if you've had um, dealt with suicide within your life da, 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 this is the topic of this we'll see people still put it on but they've had the warning and it's not going to be a shock and they're not going to be lost within that sort of emotional mm. roller coaster if they've already forewarned yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think you're right. <clears throat> and even um, you know Jessica Brillhard, who's you know the mm. principal Google VR filmmaker, she's mm. she's you know I read her stuff and she's saying, oh, we're still figuring that out. So yeah, I think that's right. I think absolutely. everybody working in this field is still figuring things out and experimenting. Mm. I think that's really exciting as well. Well, it, it um, is, and we need to. Everybody needs to be doing yeah. that, don't they? You know, yeah. it's it's really interesting too. They're talking about a VR cinema in France. And we've got, we've got our own similar sort of, it's not a cinema, but it's a VR multi-person experience place in North Melbourne. But the one in France, the cinema in France that I, they were talking about is they had a live band, like an orchestra, playing mm. to hundreds of people go in there, put their headsets on, listen to live music and have an experience. Well, and it's like, well, yeah. this is like black and white talkies, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. where you, you might go to the so silent cool. film yeah. and you get some live music and it's a group experience. Because that's, for me, that, that group experience has been, I thought, how do you, how do, you, how do I share this easily with a lot? Example, I, we bought, um, and, and I borrow, 
<laughs> from work, our 360 camera. And I've taken that to New York and Thailand and shot lots of 360 films and videos. But I can only share that with one person at a time in a headset. So it's just kind of really awkward mm. that you go, oh, check out our trip. Get in line. Yeah. <laughs> You've got one minute. Before uh, yeah, exactly. Look, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, you can certainly put it online. 360 video and 360 photos are supported but within Facebook, within Google, I think. That shared experience is really interesting. So those sort of 360 cinemas, so 360 events are interesting. And particularly from an e-learning point of view, I think that's um, what we've, we've worked on mm. and, mm. you know, ourselves. And, and thinking about the environment where people have that experience is important too. Mm. If you've only got four headsets and you've got a classroom of people and there's 20 people mm. you've got to think about um, just the coordination of that mm. and you don't want them distracted so perhaps it's worth thinking about those four people having their experience in a separate room mm. with the VR headsets mm. as opposed to them feeling like there's another 16 people laughing at them or pushing them off the hill <laughs> <laughs> um, not that our, any organization you know would be doing that so. <laughs> no no that was that was a um, a topic that came up quite mm. a bit. I thought in the session too was mm. this idea about um, in the future it will become a more shared experience, and then some ideas around how that might happen. Mm. Um, because I think you're right. I think that's one thing that we probably all find a little bit less ideal is that we can't mm. all go and see a film a VR film together. Or well, we can if we're mm. all wearing our individual <laughs> yeah, headsets. Yeah. Yeah. We can sit together. Um, but right. then how do we experience it as a shared experience? So I do recall. Dirk mentioning, I mean, one of his his points was that you know screens will become a thing a thing of the past, and he was talking about. I mean, you might remember this as well. Mm. He was talking footage being projected on three walls, mm-hmm. delivered, not projected. Um, mm. So it's almost a three sixty experience, and that's something that we can obviously all experience together. Acme um, has a good example of that yeah, too, yeah. Um, of the three sixty walls, and I know in um, you know mining is an industry that's invested a lot in sort of virtual environments mm. as well as the military, of course. So mm. it's sort of preparing people for how it might really feel to work underground mm. um, for long periods of time, preparing people to feel how it might be what it'd be like to work on a barge or an oil rig for two weeks at a time Mm. and the confined spaces, et cetera, or or how would it feel, you know, going to, uh, what's it like to live in Iraq on deployment Mm. within a special forces unit? We did some work years ago with video and that made a huge impact Mm. of just filming, filming overseas um, for, for, you know, the military to to give an experience to people before they go. Feedback and the change of, anyway, I guess the the feedback we got was that that made an impact on people uh, feeling a lot more comfortable for that before they get there so those extreme sort of environments so you can see the VR lends itself and Mm. now is at a tipping point from a cost perspective so that sort of investment that mining's done in the past on VR or the 360 cinema demo that you mentioned where there's screens they've done that and it's cost a fortune Mm. and and VR's not it's actually kind of it's still not certainly not a, a cheap technology but it's not awfully yeah, that expensive either yeah. if you look at the imp- if it if mm. it has the right impact if mm. you're looking at sort of um destigmatizing mental health or looking at that you know preparing people for uh, occupational violence yeah anyway mm. i just think it's at the tipping point yeah 
Uh, I should mention too, just before we move on, uh, I did. I talked about a group in North Melbourne. If any of our listeners are interested in checking out that group experience, it's called Zero Latency, um, and it's for uh, actual group VR experiences. It's a free roam multiplayer um, uh, game where you can deal with zombies and all kinds of things yes. as a group. Yes. Uh, within, a, I think it's a 400 meter sort of open area. So you're walking around with all of your rigs on your head. Total virtual reality experience as a group, shooting zombies. Awesome. Great. <laughs> For 45 team, minutes. Team when building. are we going? Yeah, well, we'll be going quite soon. Right. Um, yeah, we, we haven't done that one yet and uh, definitely will be. So uh, it, I've, I've heard it's, it's really quite amazing. So mm. a cool experience and probably shows us a great, a lot around uh, usability and tricks to use, particularly if you're moving with a headset on. I mean, that, that mm. comes across, that sounds pretty dangerous. From a sort of H and S point of view, but um, I believe they've got a lot of things in place to make sure there's no no problems. Padding. <laughs> it could be padding. Uh, on that note, I did I did notice there's also a very small um, VR cinema sort of space in Collingwood as well, where you can go and watch you know shorts and various films. Oh, cool. I think one of the main things they they always advertise is um, swiveling chairs. So mm. you get the chair that swivels right around. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, a, yeah. that's another thing if anyone's interested in the VR cinema experience. Yeah. I think it's very small. Um, mm. Boutique, we could say. And I think, you know, I'm seeing a lot of common threads between what you're saying, Josie, and, and mm. Brendan, about um, how we can use multimedia and how we can, um, we can influence how people are feeling through mm. point of view, through music, sound. I mean, that also ties into what we notice about filmmaking in general in terms of props and colour and, you mm. know, sound design and, and all of that. And then and how we, we need to really do this all with a sense of the bigger picture of where this sits within the whole experience and also how we take care mm. of people in that experience. Mm. So, mm. so there needs to be, I guess, all that, always that ethical lens of we're not just going to get people what? stressed or, or feeling really emotive about a really intense topic and then kind of leave them with that without some kind of before and after well, preparation care. That, that attention to mental well-being, mm. uh, psychological well-being, uh, it's easy to, to forget uh, the physical well-being side of it too. In, in, <laughs> Absolutely. In, in planning for VR, yeah. uh, anyone who's Put played with VR on, maybe. so far, well, anyone who's played <laughs> with VR so far... Um, be good my, to have a fan just blow some cool air on somebody as there. No, well, sorry. Well, that might actually... <laughs> Well, you never know. That's the kind of thing that might actually yes. help with the sensation of nausea that some people get. Yeah, like, yeah that's right. You know, I'd be really, that's, I'd be really interested. Like, does yeah. have a directional airflow across you, yeah. re- recenter your balance system, your internal ear balance system? Yeah. Because anyone who's played with VR will know that it can be a little bit nauseating if the, if yeah. the, if the movement is creating a bit of disorientation spatially. That is a, a result of how immersive it is because your mm. eyes and your ears, in, in some cases, if you're getting that input, are orientating your brain in a space in a certain mm. way. But if your inner ear is not reading that in the same way, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm no expert in that matter, but mm. I'm guessing that's the cause of the nausea people feel. Mm. Yeah. Um, I know that when... It's also the frame rates. So, okay. and, and so older phones, um, the, the better the headset, and a Samsung uh, Gear headset, as advice to any listeners, is sort of that middle ground where it's, you're getting technology that's pretty good. You can pay a lot more and, and, and get much better kit. But that, at that level, it's at a good point. Hmm. And then you go use a Samsung S7 or an S8 for probably fast enough processing power for less 
anyway the frame rates can affect it jc okay. so there's lots of research around that and so the the, the stronger the processing power um the better well, i guess yeah and that, that well i guess we're, we're talking about care i mean mm. we're talking about yeah. how to ensure that that experience is not negative emotionally psychologically but also physically and mm. uh, i guess that's something that needs to be considered if you're thinking about producing some some content for vr is how does the camera move if it moves at all Interestingly, too, to talk about the camera movement, because um, I, I know how much you know about film, JC, it was, and, and we've been reviewing, you know, a, a lot of different VR experiences, right? Mm. And, and again, we're just forming our own personal opinions, really, mm. through some research on, online, of course, and talking to others, going to, you know, a number of meetups on VR. But ultimately, it's come down to a saying, do we like a hard cup? Mm. So in film, a hard cup. Is when in a film is when we move between a scene mm. and it just it's literally a hard cut we're in one place suddenly bang we're in another mm. it's not a soft uh, dissolve to black <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's we and so looking at VR we felt to, as a group that these hard cuts we saw didn't work in a VR environment because it's really disorientating mm. and I, I found it interesting that at this talk it was Cassie brought up that VR, the VR scene had felt that hard cuts were a no-no mm. and it should be dissolves or, trans, you know, moderate sort of transitions from scene to scene if you needed to change a camera angle. And, and then she, sorry, so she said that VR, that had been the trend, but now they're going back to hard cuts. Mm. And, then, and I, I just found that really interesting because of our own kind of point of view mm. on, on that from a post-production point of view when, you, when we're putting it together. I, I questioned her about that. And they did, they did give a caveat, didn't they, Damala? It was around, the advice was that we should look at the same eye, like if you, the camera angle shouldn't change eye level. So if you're going to sort of do a hard cut, don't move the camera too much. So the scene may change, but suddenly someone's not sitting down. Yeah, right. You know, so yeah. it's, it's sort of, there's some transition, there's a link, you know, mm -hmm. there's a segue between those shots and, and then the hard cut can actually work. Okay. Yeah, that was Ahmed's advice. Was it? I think we asked him yes, before, sorry. Like, yeah. how would that, you know, how can we make sure that they work well? And his mm. advice was, um, yeah, to cut between similar framing. So mm. if it's a person in the scene, um, then cut to another similar framed mm. object or person in the scene in the centre of the frame. That kind mm. of thing. So we're kind yeah. of matching the frame a little bit. Yeah, and it's less so disorientating. So we're not going yeah. for you know close up of something or, or yeah. a scene and then exactly eye level, that kind of thing. So we're kind of yeah. matching across those cuts and then it's a lot less disorientating. And, um, there was the feeling that the slow cross dissolves are kind of, you know, a little bit old school now. So VR's moved on <laughs> from the <laughs> dissolves. Isn't it interesting? It'll yeah. come full circle again too, of course. But um, once again, the good just, just like any, just like any yeah. filmmaking or any storytelling, mm. you, you just use the tools and techniques mm. that, that are useful to the story and mm. the mood that you're building and the True. experience that you want people mm. to have. So. Well, we've spent the first part of this blog talking a lot about, I guess, storytelling and how the technology mm. can be used in that space. I'm really interested in and how we see this being applied in the learning space. Mm. Um, obviously, that's our interest here at The Learning Hook. And we have had the opportunity to apply this uh, in a project recently, and it's been fascinating, to be honest, mm. to actually get the opportunity to apply all of this, uh, I guess, all this research that we've been doing and, and this experimenting we've been doing in-house. 
In the second half of this podcast, we got into some really interesting discussion around our experience as an e-learning company uh, working within virtual reality and, and, and particularly an interactive virtual reality solution. But we are going to cut it short. This is the end of this episode. We didn't want our podcast to run over 30 minutes. They run for five. It's probably too short. Ten, maybe so as well. Uh, Fifteen's good. Twenty's great. This one's bordering on 30. The whole discussion took 40. So we've split it in two in our post-production. So thanks for listening to this first part of the podcast. Uh, the second part of this uh, discussion that Damala, Justin and I had plays out in episode three. We hope it's a good split. It made sense to split it up at this point, but I must say that in episode three, we do sum up probably everything from both episodes. So uh, I do hope you can tune into that and, and really look forward to hearing any feedback or comments that you might have. I'd love to pass back to Justin now, who wraps up these things much smoother than I do. Until next time, thanks for listening. I guess if you want to find out more, you want to talk more, learninghook.com.au. In the meantime, we'll look forward to getting another podcast to you. I hope you guys have enjoyed this one and got something out of it. I know we've had a bit of fun here today. Um, it's farewell from all three of us. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Adios.